the next few weeks we're going to go through this series, I want to believe, but uh, before we start, I want to say welcome to those watching Facebook Live and listening to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we're going to be going through this series, and, and really here's why, because there's a growing um, demographic in our, in our society that, that is, they're, they're kind of finding themselves in, in stuck in this place. They're, they're, they're kind of questioning maybe some of their, the beliefs they grew up about God, and, and they're, they're not quite don't want to be atheist because there's just too much despair. There's really no answers there either. So they kind of find, find themselves in the middle. They're not really what, sure what to expect. So maybe today you're here and you find yourself in the middle of that. You're not really sure what to believe about God, but you know you don't really don't want this alternative because there's really nothing there for you um, except despair. And so maybe you're in the middle of this. This series is really going to try to help. Say, if you find yourself in this place, we want to help you, encourage you to maybe give God a, a chance. Maybe, uh, maybe some of the things you learned growing up were incorrect, and we're going to try to answer some of those questions that you have. So maybe I want to start off with a question. Just have you ever had religious doubts in your life? And we're going to talk through that through the next few weeks of what that is uh, that maybe maybe caused you to, to doubt. Maybe a prayer that you prayed and it never got answered, and so you assumed that well he didn't answer that prayer, so he must not exist in my life. Um, and so people walked away because of that. Uh, maybe an authority figure in your life, a teacher, or somebody um, brought those doubts in your life by questioning the existence of God um, and used different things. Um, what's what's interesting? A lot of times we'll we'll catch something from somebody and we'll remember that one thing, but when we look back, we're like, what else did I? follow that person to, 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 the, to the death for, right? And like, what, what else was really important that they said that I'm holding on to the rest of my life? And what's sad is sometimes even uh, as authority figures or pastors or leaders, sometimes maybe we have, there's, there's a change of heart and they realize, well, maybe there really was a God and they become Christ followers. They become people of faith and they can no longer take those back, the things that they, they gave to young people or to other people that they, they uh, gave an impression of, of no existence of God. But wherever you got these doubts from, somewhere along the line, if you haven't, maybe they will come up. Maybe they won't. Um, if you are your Christ follower, this series is going to help give you some tools. So when people ask you questions about God and existence and what about this, what about that, hopefully you'll be able to have some answers to be able to share why you believe in God and why you believe these things. So if you're here today and you don't believe, uh, my prayer is that by the end of service or by the end of this series, you'll at least process this and thought through it where you can make a, a choice to say, okay, I, I think I might be able to believe in that, that God. And I, I think I can, I can, I can test this and, and, and step out um, in, in maybe what, what, what I'm talking about. And so um, even today at the end of the service, if you're here and you kind of on that, you've been you know, dealing with some of these questions, and maybe at the end of the service day you're going to kind of be ready to say, all right, I'm going to come back to faith or I'm going to step into this faith for the first time. Uh, at the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, but we're going to walk through some of these things. Um, you know, a few, a few things happen when we're growing up. You know, we, we, we teach... We teach kids at an elementary level, and we introduce things to them um, that are appropriate to them. And sometimes what happens when, when, when something's, an idea is introduced or, or we catch an idea as a young kid, uh, the ideas that we get sometimes don't always grow with us as we mature. And those elementary ideas sometimes stay elementary, and they don't grow with us. Sometimes this happens to our view of God. Uh, we're taught something, or we, we, we catch something from somebody, we start believing something about God, and, and it was good at elementary, but it doesn't quite grow uh, with, with us along as we, we experience suffering and challenges and pain and all that. Uh, for example, when, when a, a little kid asks where babies come from, you have one answer to tell them where babies come from, right? And it's very elementary and very general and generic. And then when a teenager asks, you have another um, level of, of an explanation of how babies are made, right? And then if you were a doctor going to school and, and you were talking about how babies are made, you would have even a greater level of understanding and, and way to talk about it. Well, sometimes what happens in the faith is we teach sometimes these elementary lessons that never grow to the next level of, of maturity and, and move on with us, and we stay with that. 
And sometimes, and sometimes those views and those versions are actually not even a complete picture of it. Uh, for example, uh, some of the gods that maybe you grew up with learning was what we'll call this bodyguard god. All right? You might have learned that this is the god where we think uh, it's a version that was explained to you that, um, that sounded good when you're young, but as you grew up, you realized maybe this wasn't the best. Uh, that, that it would be like this, that God takes, takes care of good people. If you're a good person, you go to church, if you read your Bible, if you, you know, whatever, God's going to take care of you. He's, he's going to protect you. He's going to, nothing bad is going to happen. And then something bad happens. You're like, hey, what happened to bodyguard guard, bodyguard God? What happened to that guy? Like, he left me out hanging here. I'm, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm hurting here. And, and, and as you experience things, you realize that, that this version of God really is not to be trusted. Um, Maybe, maybe, um, the problem is, is that, uh, maybe as a pastor like me, explain something and you took it the wrong way and you thought, you know, this is the challenge. We want to introduce people to Christ and, and he, he makes your life better, but there's an element that your life is getting better when it comes to your walk with God, but in other areas of your life, sometimes they actually get worse and it's not an accident. Uh, we have an enemy that, that tries to stop us, but it's also sometimes things get worse so that they can get better. Like God allows us to walk through things so we can grow. And, and be able to move to those. And so he doesn't make everything perfect when we come to him, but somehow we've made this, got this assumption that he just makes everything perfect. He's going to protect us, and nothing bad should happen. And then when it does, we are disillusioned, and we think, man, that God, God must not exist, because I've been doing good, I've been trying hard, and I'm still going through hard things, and I'm, and I'm having a hard time. But here's the thing. That version of God doesn't exist. That, that God, if you walked away from bodyguard God, that's okay, that's actually a good thing, because... That doesn't exist. If you read the Bible, it never says God is going to be that kind of God for us and protect us from everything that's bad. Um, In fact, if if we look in the the scriptures, there was a very good man who died a horrible death. We actually celebrated last week, right? If if bodyguard God did exist, he would have stopped that a long time ago. And if if Christianity really promoted this message, it would have never made it out past when Jesus died. Because right away people say that's not really true because God doesn't protect good people from bad things. Um, and so, God never made this claim, and, and he doesn't, doesn't make this claim throughout Scripture that he's going to protect us from every bad thing. Uh, in fact, he lets us walk through some things so that he can, he can help us through those things. And we're going to talk about some of those. So, bodyguard God doesn't exist. Maybe another, another God that you grew up, uh, that, that a lot of people walk away from is, is killjoy God. Uh, this would be, so guilt and fear would be associated with this God, right? So, growing up, if, if maybe you went to church and if it was enjoyable, no. If it was fun, no, you can't do that. It's bad. You can't do that, right? And, and so people get this idea, well, why would I want to serve a God who wants to take away all my fun? I, I don't want to serve that God. If, you, if you're serving a God that takes away your fun, um, that is not a good God to serve. Um, in fact, what, what's interesting, we have conversations with people about faith. Sometimes, you know, I'll begin to ask them what they believe, and they say, well, I really don't believe in God. I said, well, tell me more about that. What do you mean you don't believe in God? Well, I don't believe in this, and I don't believe in this. And, and a lot of times I'm like, as I listen to them, their explanation of God, I actually respond by saying, I don't believe in that God either. Like, that's not a good God to believe in. That's, that's not, I wouldn't believe in that God either. And here's one of these gods I don't believe in. I don't believe God is trying to take away all our fun. I, I believe actually there's a deeper reason. We're going to talk about this next week, so I won't give you too much. But I believe there's a greater reason when he asks us not to do certain things, when he does give us something to follow. Um, it, but, but people walk away because really the truth is they'd rather have their own way. And, and they want to do it their way. And so they walk away. So if you walk away from killjoy God... That's okay. That guy doesn't exist anyways. Um, another one we'll talk about is heartless God in a couple of weeks. The reason I bring this up is because you might know somebody who, they, they associate God with no fun. Next week might be a good lesson for them to come invite them to and come hear about how God actually does want us to enjoy life. and ha- he, Not just so much enjoy life, but be fulfilled in life, which is even greater than just having fun. Um, and then we're going to talk about heartless God. 
I know this is one of those ones that, that a lot of people hang up on. And, and honestly, I can't answer all the questions that, that, that come from this, this um, the questions that arise from what people talk about this God. Heartless God would be, how can, how can if God is good, how can bad things exist? Like, I, I don't understand. I can't, if he's a good God, why is there so much evil? And he allows it and all this. You know, I, when people do ask some things, I can't explain all those things. But I know that God is not a heartless God. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. If you want to come, I know his heart breaks for things in our world. And I know he also did something about it. And he's still doing something about it today. So in a couple of weeks, come and I think you'll be challenged to figure out what is he doing today to try to solve all these things that are going on. Um, so I just want to ask a question. What if the God you walked away from or maybe consider walking away from or maybe you have friends that are walking away from? Um, what, what if that God never existed in the first place and you, you were focused on the wrong God the whole time? Well, this series is about that. I want to believe, but what about these things? Well, there's another side to this, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Um, a lot of times, the gods we walked away from are just false versions of, of a god. They're not, they're not the, real, the real thing. So today, I want to I land on this. Well, before we jump there, uh, these gods never existed. You know, when Christians first became Christians, in the Roman Empire, they began to grow. Romans would actually call Christians atheists. Because they didn't believe in the pantheon of gods. You know, there was tons of gods in Rome that they would worship. And so when Christians all of a sudden just stopped worshiping those gods, all the Romans said, well, you're atheists and you don't believe in God. You don't believe in gods. They said, no, we believe in God, but we just believe in this God. We think you have the wrong gods or the wrong God, and we just believe in this one. Um, and, and so they walked away from all of those gods, who a lot of people actually no longer worship anyways. Um, in the same way they walked away, that we walk away from some of these gods that aren't real, they walked away from some of those gods. But the whole time Christians were saying, there is one true God, and he has good plans for us, like he has something better for us if we'll follow, it, follow him. Um, and they, and they, they, didn't, they didn't believe in the false versions of gods of the Romans. They worshipped um, the God that was the creator of all, and we're going to talk about that. But today I want to talk about this God, on-demand God. On demand God. We all want this God, right? We, we, we want this to be true of God on demand. You know, back in, back 20 years ago, 15 years ago, um, if you wanted to see a specific show, you couldn't go back later and, and, and TiVo it or watch it on Netflix, right? Like, it's, it wasn't on demand. Like, if you missed a TV show back in the day, you missed the TV show. Like, just disappeared and you're like, I'll never see that show. And, and if you really loved a show, you'd be heartbroken because you missed like episode two and you're like, what happened in episode two? And then you go episode three and you're confused, right? And you can't go back and you can't go binge watch for like a whole day, watch the whole season or two seasons in a row. Uh, that doesn't exist. Like now, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, what? We, we, we didn't, you mean you didn't, the TV wasn't always on demand and whatever I wanted in my life, it wasn't in my, in my TV, it wasn't there? No. You had to like be present, you had to be there or you missed it. And you had to watch all the commercials. That's, that's kind of sad, right? You're like, what? That like, takes all my time, and you're like, you can't fast forward through it. So there was a time where TV was not on demand. And here's the thing. Because our culture is so into, into instant everything, this actually makes a challenge for our faith. Because that same idea and that same uh, desire in us to have everything right now, when we want it, it actually bleeds into our relationship with God. And all of a sudden, we begin to think, you know, God should be like an, an on-demand God for us. Like, whatever I wish, it should be his, you know, whatever my command is, whatever my wish is, he should be able to command that and do it for me. Like, whatever I want, any time. And so people walk away from on-demand God because, well, maybe they said a prayer for their parents, and their parents still walked away from each other, got divorced. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody prayed for a loved one, and they asked God, and they believed for healing with faith, and the loved one still died. Uh, maybe somebody is struggling financially, and, and they asked God for help, and he didn't show up and still struggling financially. And in the middle of that, people lose faith in on-demand God because he didn't show up. 
Um, and we'd ask the question, where is on-demand God when these things happen? When, when God doesn't do what you think he should do, some of us conclude, well, he's not real. Um, or he isn't powerful, or he isn't, he isn't good, he just doesn't care. Uh, but here's the truth, on-demand God doesn't exist. And, and really, who told you uh, that God is under any obligation to you or to me to respond in the way that we want? Like, who told you that? Scripture doesn't tell us that. Somewhere along the line, somebody told us this, we got this idea, and so when we walk away from on-demand God, we're actually walking away from a false God, not even a real God. Because somewhere along the line, we, re- we thought, he should be answering my every desire. But here's the truth. I am glad on-demand God does not exist. You know why? Because if he existed, my life would not be what it is today. Because at a young age, when I thought I was really smart, I prayed for things. And if God were to give me those things, they probably could have hurt me, right? Um, you know, it, it's it, uh, uh, um, on-demand God is us asking for reasonable requests that we would probably do for anybody else. Like, it's just a reasonable request. God, let me win the, the lottery. Like, I'll give all the money to charity, right? Be my on-demand God. Rub the genie. Send it my way. If God answered all those things, I probably wouldn't be married to sincerity. I probably wouldn't have the kids I have. Uh, my life would be different. I might even be president of the United States. How horrible would that be, right? Man, we got to pray for President Trump. That is a tough job. Um, if I prayed for that as a kid, I'm glad he didn't answer that because I would not want to be president of the United States. I'd rather be a pastor. It's awesome, all right? Um, so I'm glad he doesn't exist. In your life, imagine if God answered every prayer along the way that you prayed. Where would you be? You think, like, that would be amazing, but actually it wouldn't. If you want to know what that would look like, just look at a kid who gets everything that he ever wants. What kind of kid does, that, does he turn into? A very spoiled, entitled kid that thinks everything is about them. They get anything they want whenever they want it. I don't want people in my life to be like that. It would be horrible to be around those people because they think everything is about me. Right? So there's a reason God does not on-demand God. There's a reason to answer all of our, all our prayers. And here's the truth. When it comes to these gods, a lot of times what it is is it's just unmet expectations. The reason we're frustrated and we walk away from those gods is because they didn't meet an expectation that I had. And the truth is, in marriage, in work, this is really the thing that really trips a lot of us up. The reason we struggle with things is because of unmet expectations. We're wanting somebody or something to happen that's not happening and it frustrates us, it gets us mad. And when, when it's all about us, that can be really frustrating. But see, God is he's better than on-demand God. He's actually trying to help us to experience and to live in such a way that we'd be healthy, that we'd be life-giving, that no matter what we face, we'd be the kind of people that people want to be around. Right? That's what God's trying to develop in us. For my kids, I'm trying to raise them to be the kind of kids that people would want to be around them. They'd want them to hire them because they're good workers, they're good employees. So where did your view of God, the God you quit, come from, come from, that you quit, that you walked away from, where did that view come from? What, are the, what, what if that, that idea is actually keeping you from God's best because you thought something that maybe somebody told you, you grew up, maybe the elementary faith of God that you thought, well, he's supposed to be this, this specific way and my expectations aren't being met. Well, what if that God you walked away from is actually keeping you from the very God that has good plans for your life and has something really good for you just around the corner if you would seek him and walk to him? See, here's the thing. This is what the scripture is very clear about. That God, he doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. It's very, very clear about that. He, it's not our story. I'm not the hero in the story. He's the main story. He's the main character of the story. It's his story, not my story. And when we, when we get that wrong, that's when everything becomes about us, and we think he's just a slot machine in heaven that we can pull on and say, all right, fix it all now. Or a genie in a bottle will say, fix this all now. 
But in the middle of that, maybe you say, no, no, you're the created, I'm the creator. You're the clay, I'm the potter, I'm going to mold you and shape you to become something even better than you thought. Um, you're, I'm, the, I'm the master, you're the servant. That's what, that's what God is saying throughout scriptures. And it's not because he wants to rule over us, he wants to lead us on a journey and help us with this. Um, here's what I know about God. So you say, okay, so those gods don't exist. Well, what exactly does this God that you're talking about look like? So the, the creator of the universe, the God that gave us scriptures, the God that, that walked along us in human history, the God that entered into human history. We just celebrated last week. It's an amazing thing. He didn't want to just leave us where we're at. He wanted to help us on this journey. So what, is he, what does this God look like? Well, I know this. His heart is always loving. It's always loving. God is a God of love. He's a God of love that loves us. You know, like, like parents, there's, there's never a time that we don't love our kids. There's a time sometimes we don't like our kids, right? You're like, I really don't like you right now. You should go in the other room. Um, but there's never a time we don't love our kids. In fact, there's times that we don't even do things for our kids that we could do. Like they make a request, we have the ability or the power to do it, and we still say no. Does that make us a bad parent? No, in some cases that makes us a really good parent because we're trying to help them. You know, if, if they, they forget to do their homework and they come at 9 o'clock right at the bedtime, they say, you know, we have to do my homework for tomorrow. It's due tomorrow. Well, if I bail all my kids every time they forget to do stuff, I will not create anything good in them. Sometimes it's good to say, you know what, sorry, you have to, you have to get a, um, a, a check on that, that homework because you missed it. And so they can learn, hey, I've got to pay attention to this stuff in our lives. So this is the kind of God that, that I believe in. He's a loving God. He's a, he's a good father that has good plans. And yes, there's a lot of suffering. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of questions that come up with all that stuff. We'll talk about that. But today, maybe you've been saying, you know, do what I want, do what I want, do what I want. He's not doing. All right, I'm out of here. I check out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with this God. But that God doesn't exist. The God I'm talking about wants to come alongside you in a relationship and say, can I help you on this journey? Because he's always loving. He's always a loving God. And here's the, here's the reason why. Because rather than doing something for us, he's trying to develop something in us. The same way that rather than doing something for my kids, I want to develop something in them. God is doing the same thing for us. Rather than just answering all of our, our requests, he's actually saying, no, would you just trust me in this journey? That's actually a really bad request because if you got it, it's going to lead you down a path that's going to kill you. This is probably a better request. You should, you should follow my, my lead on this. It's called love. When somebody doesn't do something for us, sometimes out of our, our, our own good, it's called love. For my kids, when I don't do something they want, I'm loving them in it. I'm being a parent to them. I'm helping them on this journey so they won't be titled, entitled or spoiled. So what kind of God do we, are we talking about? Well, this is what Romans 8.35 says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You know, a lot of those things we don't really understand. We're like, all right, I don't understand those. We don't have swords today, right? Um, I don't see any of you guys walking around naked, so that's a good thing. Um, so we don't understand. Well, well, maybe today this would sound like this. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Financial trouble? Unemployment? Cancer? Maybe relationship breakdowns? Depression? Maybe those are some of the categories Paul, if he was today, he would introduce and say, these things can't even keep us from God's love. When we walk through them, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It's just something we have to walk through, something that's tough, which we'll talk about. But he goes on to say this. He says, now in all things, we are more than conquerors. Like we can overcome through him who loved us. 
We can make it through those things. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life or angels or demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul makes a strong statement. Here's the thing. Paul went through a lot of hardships. He struggled a lot, which we'll talk about. And he's saying all of these things do not separate us from a loving God who cares for us. See, God doesn't prove his love for us when he answers our prayers. God proved his love for us when he sent his son. And Romans, Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ sent his son to die for us. That's how he shows his love, by his action when he does, not just because he answers our prayers and answers every request we have. No, because he's, he's, he's given us the best already. Here's another thing I know about God. God's ways are always higher than ours. Like his way is always higher. Uh, there's many things that I can't explain. In a few weeks when we talk about hardships and or evil and existing and all that things, why bad things happen, there's some things I can't explain. I won't try to explain. If somebody asks me, I'm going to say, I have no idea. But I know one day we'll understand that. Might not be here on earth, but I know in heaven one day we'll understand some of these things. We don't get it all right now. But I know that he's good. Maybe, maybe a child's born with a deformity. I don't know. I don't get that. Maybe a great person doing well in life dies at a young age. Why? I don't get that. Maybe a natural disaster takes lives of innocent people. Why? I don't, I don't get that. And we, and we can't explain some of those things because we can't, don't even try to even attempt to explain those things sometimes because we don't know why these things happen. But in the middle of them, this is what Isaiah says, God, God is speaking through Isaiah to us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God is saying, I'm, 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 I'm on a different thinking level of thinking than you are. There's a greater understanding here. You have to just trust. Because sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe you have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that broke up with you and you were crushed, right? But in the middle of that pain and in and, and, and that journey, God sends somebody better. You know, like, man, thank you so much that I was broken for a while because of that relationship because now I have this. And you bring something better, right? In the middle of, we don't always understand, but, but you married way better, way better person. Um, maybe things didn't work out for you in different ways. Uh, things wor- they, were, they, were, they, they worked out in a different way than you expected. So maybe that child that was born with a deformity, all of a sudden it becomes a blessing and people begin to realize, wow, this kid has blessed my life so much. I would not know how to even love the way I love if it wasn't for this child. And all of a sudden, the things that we thought maybe were horrible actually could be a really good thing and a blessing. Do we want that? Not necessarily, but there's good learning things. God uses the worst of situations to teach us something. We don't understand, but if we trust God through these things, I promise he will always lead us on a better way. In fact, on-demand God doesn't exist, and I'm going to show you how I know this. Paul says in Romans 5, 8, so he, asks, he says there's a thorn that was in his flesh, and God actually let it be there. Like, there was something that was bothering him. We don't know if it was a sickness. We don't know if it was some kind of temptation. You know, it could have been something with the eyes. He was losing sight. We're not really sure what that was. But in the middle of it, Paul didn't like it. He's like, I don't like this thing in my life. Please get it out. And he asked, the God, he asked God multiple times. And this is, this is what, um, what God responds. So, so each time he asks God, God says this, My grace is all you need. This is Romans 5, 8. No, that's not Romans 5, 8. Uh, my grace is this in Corinthians. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults and hardships and persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
So Paul went through a lot of hard things. Read his story. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He went hungry. He went through a lot of, a lot of hardships trying to, trying to tell people about this God we're talking about, a good God, a good Father. And he went through all these things, and he said, now would you at least just take away, away this one thing? Come on, I need an on-demand God right now. The guy says, no. In your weakness, I will be made strong. I'm going to give you grace to be able to make it through those hard things. And God says, I'm not an on-demand God. I have something better for you if you'll just trust me in it. And it's quite possible God used those very things to help Paul be sensitive to the things that others faced. And it's possible God used those things so Paul could write in such a way that would help us understand when we go through something hard, you can make it through. Why? Because he went through something hard and he made it through. He didn't lose faith. So here's what I know. That God's ways, they're always better. They're always better than our ways. His plans are better. So whatever we thought was, was the best, it's better. Uh, we see this in, um, in the way we figure out God's ways is we have to become, we have to know him better. We have to come, become closer to him. We need, we need to learn to know him better. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, back in 2009, so 2006, we had our first son. Uh, he was born. Um, we, we bought our first house. Uh, he moved in. The first day he was out of the hospital, we moved into our new house in Rancho. First house we ever bought. Um, a few months later, our car was too small. The car seat wouldn't fit in it. You know, this is old. So we bought a car. Um, nice, nice car, and um, just, just started this whole journey. Well, um, the market turned, right? And everything we had began to actually go upside down. So prices of our house didn't stay stable. They began to rise because of interest rates and taxes, all that. And, and we got to a place where we weren't making more money. And so the pressure, financial pressure, began to be really heavy. Um, and, and I carried that like a, a um, just this heavy weight in, in my life. And so from 2008 to 2009, began to feel this pressure. Um, as the economy turned, things got harder. Um, just, just a lot of challenges rose with it. And so in the middle of it, uh, we just we knew we weren't going to make it. Like we were trying to figure out what to do. Uh, we tried to sell the car because David Ramsey's advice all the time is usually it's sell a car. You'll that's usually the answer. And so we we were trying to sell the car, and we we went to a storm that that hail just damaged our car like crazy. So we lost all the value in our car. We actually would lose money uh, to sell it. And so we tried to do that and just just uh, got in a few accidents after that. Just it was crazy how 2009 just just all that weight began to compound and pressure and just being a rise and in the middle of it i felt like i was suffocating and i felt like i was being crushed by a weight that i couldn't carry and i would cry out to god and say god we need your help like you have to help us with this and we kept in the same pattern the same thing debt began to roll roll more and more and more right and the pressure there um it came to a head where uh, it was my, my daughter's birthday party we could not afford to be able to throw a decent party for her like I think we bought cake and some food and invited some family over and I just felt like a failure because I could not provide for my family. I couldn't do this. And I remember during the party, I've told the story before, but it, I remember the weight of it. I went during the party, I just, I couldn't almost breathe. So I went to the back room, it was my parents' house and we're having the party there. And I just sit on the bed and I was really overwhelmed and I, I, I didn't know if I can continue on. And so I kind of get my composure and, and would go outside and try to put on a happy face for my daughter for a party and all that. And just the whole time I had this weight of, man, you're, you're no good. You're, you're, you're God not even answering your prayers. Like, what kind of God is that? And, and all this pressure. So I remember after a while I couldn't breathe again. I'm just overwhelmed. I went back to the bedroom. My wife comes back to the bedroom. She's talking with me. She says, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I just, I just, um, I just have this sense that I'm a failure. Like I have, I've let everybody down. I'm just, I can't do this. 
And she tried to encourage me, you know, and just, I was overwhelmed, just with being crushed by a weight of debt, by a weight of, of feelings and emotions that were going through me, of, of what I was experiencing. In the middle of that, just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't understand. Um, and I was praying, God, help us to figure this out. Help us to figure this out. Help us to figure out. And no answers. No answers. And uh, just couldn't, couldn't do it. And I remember in the middle of that time, um, at the end of the party, I was overwhelmed. And uh, we were just saying goodbye to people, getting ready to head back. And my mother-in-law, she comes up to me and, you know, she begins to talk to me. And, 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 and the moment, so grateful, she just senses that God was wanting to speak something to me through her. So she begins to give me just a few little things, words, and, and encouragement. And, and she's talking, and she says, can I pray for you? And she starts praying. And the first words that come out of her mouth was, Eric, you're not a failure. Eric, you're not a failure. Eric, you're not a failure. And when she said it the third time, I just, you know, I bust open. Like, everything began to just flow out of my nose and eyes and everything. I was overwhelmed, and all that began just to be released. And I remember just crying as she was praying. And she said some other things God wanted her to speak to me, and I wasn't even listening because I was just so overwhelmed. But here's why I was overwhelmed. I didn't tell her that I felt like a failure. I told my wife in the back bedroom where nobody could hear that I felt like a failure. And here she says, God has good plans for you. And he wants you to know, you're not a failure. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. And it, and it spoke something in my life that just said, keep going. Don't give up. I'm not on demand, God. I'm not going to answer all your requests the way you want it right now. But I'm going to do something in this. And so we said, all right, God. We just threw our hands up and said, we surrender. Whatever you want to do, do it. And out of that moment, I began to say, God, what is it you're trying to show me? And he began to say, you need to begin to look beyond where you're at. Like, we know you love your rancho. We know you love the church in Bernalillo. It's a great thing that's happened. Was there 11 years. I loved it. I didn't want to leave. We were in one of the best school districts for our kids. And, and he says, I want you to walk away from this. And it didn't make sense. Why would you walk away from something you love and you're comfortable and people love you to, to go somewhere you don't even know? But God used that pressure for me to finally lift my eyes up and say, okay, where do you want to go? And if that stuff didn't happen, this wouldn't exist. Because God used that for me to begin to say, God, what's next? All right, I'm, I'm listening now. And he led me away from what was so comfortable to something that was very uncomfortable and unknown to a different place. And really, we began to say, I want you to plant a church. I want you to go back to Santa Fe. And at first, we're like, Santa Fe, we really don't want to go back to Santa Fe. I love Santa Fe. And my wife didn't necessarily want to come back right away. And we began to pray, and God led us back to Santa Fe. But I remember in the middle of that, if God was an on-demand God, he answered all my prayers. I would still be in a rancho. I don't know if I'd be satisfied. I don't know what I'd be doing. But we wouldn't be here this morning. God uses those things sometimes in our life that we think God will rescue me from, rescue me from. No. I want to I develop something in you through this. And I want you to learn a lesson so you'll never do this again. Because part of the debt was my fault. It's, it's me not want, being able to say no to things that I should have said no to because I want to be a good provider. But I wasn't providing. MasterCard was providing and Visa was providing, Right? And so in that, in that, in that, and so what's, what's really cool is last month we sold our house and that chapter of our life is finally somewhat coming to a close. And out of that, we're finally able to pay down some of all that debt that's been there. I hate debt. And he wants me to learn a lesson like, Eric, I'm not going to rescue you because if I rescue you, you'll never learn the lesson. And so now as we, as we go through the story, it's, it's like God is saying, I'm still here. I'm not going to answer every prayer the way you want me to answer all the time, but I'm going to be with you in the middle of all this. And the joy and the peace that I have knowing, okay, God's leading, he's going to take care of it. And it's amazing how his timing is always, always perfect. We didn't know, we don't know, we're like, we don't know what to do. But God says, just trust me, I'll lead you. Now that's the kind of God I can serve. That's going to develop something in me, not just give me everything I need. And that's the kind of God that's inviting me. David knew this. David went through a lot of hardships in the Old Testament. He walked through a lot of difficulties. 
And one of his songs, he said this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley or through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He knew God's ways were better and he knew that if he could just figure out what those ways were, he would have peace and he could walk with him. So here's my challenge for us today. Would you let God be God in your life? I'm not talking about on-demand God. Don't want, that God doesn't exist. Get rid of that idea. Let the God of creation, the God that made the heavens, the God that made you, would you let him be God in your life? And then when you ask those prayers of God, do it now for me. Instead of saying do it now, would you say, God, I would like help with this, but help me to figure out what's going on here. Because maybe it's a management issue, and he's trying to say, learn to manage this better, and I'll give you more. No, that's not really a good idea, because there's something way better for you. Eric, Rancho is a nice city, but Santa Fe is so much better fit for you. Go back home. Go back and help people. You know, what you want, that's nice, but I have something so much better for you. Would you do it? And when we respond, he always, he always shows up in a big way. The timing is not always our timing. The way he does is not always our way, but he always shows up. If you're here today, before I uh, end the service and, and ask for people to, to follow Christ, maybe you're here today and as I'm talking to these, you have pressure. Maybe you're not feeling good. Maybe, maybe you have some of these questions you've been asking God. God, help me in the middle of this. I have a family member that's struggling. I have, I have relationship issues. I have whatever's going on. If that's you here today, would you just maybe do me a favor? Just, just raise your hand. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. All right. God sees those hands. I see those hands. Anybody else? If you're not feeling well, I'm going to pray for you. Whenever my kids get sick, I always take it as a sign that some people just need to be healed. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray. So let's pray. God, uh, you see all these hands that went up to you, Lord. You see even the hands that didn't, but their, their hearts are troubled. God, they feel the weight, Lord God, that I talked about when I said there was a weight that was crushing me. They understand that, God. They feel that weight. God, I pray that they'd be able to make it through, Father God, because you have good plans for their life. And they would not stop because on-demand God didn't show up. But they will trust you because you're a God of process. You're a God who always shows up at the right time. And you always do what we what's better for us than what we even thought, Lord. So right now I pray for those needs, Lord God, financial needs, relationship needs, physical needs. God, those that are not feeling well, that are sick, I pray that you would touch them. You would heal them, Lord. You would do something amazing. And even in the middle of that, Lord, you would show them that you're still God and you're still good and you have good plans. Help them have peace in the middle of it, God. We just trust you for all these things, Lord. We, we love you. We bless you. We, we, allow, we want you to be God in our lives. God of everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 5, 8 says this, But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us even while we were still sinners. So you want to know how God loves you? Even before you deserved it, and we don't deserve it, he sent his son even while we were still sinners. That's how much God loves you. And today, some of you in this room have walked away from God. Some of you have been trying to live your life on your own without God. And today, God is saying, let me be God of your life. I want to have a relationship with you. Trust me as a good father. Trust me as a friend. Trust me as somebody who knows what's ahead. And I'll lead you on this journey. Not going to fix everything overnight for us. But he will give us peace and joy and fulfillment. And so today, I want to offer an invitation. If you're here and that, that fits you, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you to the front. Just ask you to raise your hand in a second. But I'm going to lead you through prayer that just that he acknowledges and says, God, I can't do it on my own. See, the Bible says when we humble ourselves and we say, God, forgive me of my sins, forgive me for trying to do it on my own, that God answers those prayers and he responds. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head as we, as we give an opportunity for those um, that want to take this step of faith. Here's the other thing about the journey. It's a faith, it's a faith journey. 
God intentionally doesn't explain everything away because he wants us to trust. It's about relationship. It's about us putting our, our belief and our trust in him. And so if you're here today and you need to say that prayer of God, I need you to be God in my life. Would you do me a favor and lift your hand so I know you're here? I see your hand. I see your hand. Awesome, thank you. I see your hands. Awesome. What's more important than me seeing your hands is that God sees your hands. It's a faith statement of saying, God, I need you to be God in my life. And my challenge is, would you, as you say this prayer, as you invite him in your life, don't let this be a Sunday thing. Don't let it just be an on-demand prayer of God, fix everything right now. Let it be a prayer that says, God, I want to walk with you. And would you walk with me on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday? And it's for you, where you begin to learn about this God. You, you begin to figure out what his ways are. Church is important. That's part of it. Prayer is important. Reading your Bible is important. But you're saying, God, I want, I want your help on this journey. So if you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? Would you say, say, Father God, today, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I've tried for too long. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my choices that have led me away from you. Today I choose you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for my sins, to give me a way back to you. I believe that Jesus is alive today and wants to live in me. I invite you into my life. Lead me and guide me. Be God to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I just want to celebrate with you and say welcome. Welcome to the family. Welcome to this journey of faith.